Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, so we're live and obviously I have a slightly different co-host this morning or this evening. Chris is here, he's off camera. He's he's on the chat tonight, so you can chat with him there. Um well let's just say he had surgery yesterday, that was unexpected. Uh he's fine, had a gallbladder removed and now he's in recovery. And I look like it. And he looks like it. <laughs> As he says, so he's not coming on camera tonight. Um, which is fine. He's he's not moving too well tonight. So uh, you got just me tonight and Haunted Amusements number two. And, of course, Vincent, who decided that apparently he's just going to curl up on my lap tonight. A uh, couple of things that we wanted to go over before we um, get started. Of course, we want to shout out to King uh, from American Ghost Ventures uh, down in Orlando and also Chris from National Nightmares in uh, D.C. Both of them came down to visit us a week ago and uh, came on one of our tours, and it was fantastic to see them. Uh, so if you're ever in D.C. or uh, Orlando, definitely check out one of their ghost tours. Uh, we've been on the one down in Orlando. We are trying to make arrangements to get up to see Chris take his, um, but it looks fantastic from what he was showing us in the material he covers. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we just expanded the schedule, so we're um, going Thursday through Sunday right now, and next month we go full tilt and we're, we'll be Open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, let's see what else. Uh, next month we start back up with the John Marshall House tour. Uh, so we'll be running that one Friday a month uh, for the three months in a row, um, June, July, and uh, August. So if you didn't get a chance to catch us uh, for that partnership and that tour, then please come out and check out at uh, one of those three dates. Am I forgetting anything? Off to the side. I see a lot of comments going by, so I'm I'm not reading them right now. I'm sorry. Chris is reading them. You were saying that you didn't think you looked all that great, but Roberta commented that your hair looks wonderful. Thank you, Roberta. <laughs> yes, this was a this was a happy accident that happened back in January or uh, February when all the color came out uh, all at once. We went swimming in the ocean, washing the hair, all the color came out. I'm kind of liking this look better. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get jumped in for what you're all here for, and that is Haunted Amusement Parks. Uh, again, last um, the last show we touched on uh, Disneyland, uh, a couple of Six Flags Parks, Cedar Point, Universal Studios, both Orlando and Hollywood. Uh, and this week we're going to give you a little bit more um, from this. And, of course, we're going to start with the House and the Mouse again because we did not do Disney World last time, so we're going to start with that. But then we're going to hit some of the smaller parts that you might not be familiar with um, and uh, kind of walk you through some of those. And, of course, um, you know, big, small, whatever, the spirits are there, and you might get more than you bargained for when you actually buy your price of admission tickets. Any questions before we go? Nope. All right. comments on your hair, though. <laughs> All right. So let's, of course, start with Disney World. Um, they are the undisputed heavyweight champion of amusement parks, and for many years, Disney World was a singular park. Magic Kingdom, uh, which rolled out uh, just rolled out the 50-year anniversary mark, uh, was of course the first park, and one of the original rides in that park was Pirates of the Caribbean. During 1970s, uh, the construction of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Ride actually had an accident that happened while it was going on. A young worker named George was killed. Well, no one, years, uh, no one appears to know exactly what happened. There are two common rumors that kind of float around this story. First, George fell to his death while working on the burning city scene uh, inside the ride. Or the second one is that he died during the construction when a heavy beam fell on him. Regardless of exactly how it happened, he died inside the ride in 1970. So since then, it's rumored that cast members actually have to say good morning and good night to George. Otherwise, George's ghost can be a bit mischievous. Excuse me. George will sometimes get on the phone with, uh, with one of the ride's empty control rooms, and he's been spotted actually on the monitors from time to time. If he's having a particularly off day, George may even shut down the ride altogether. George's presence doesn't stop with the ride mechanics. The guests who ride the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean have reported feeling a mysterious chill in the Burning City section of the ride. And while cast members uh, have reportedly have a closed door near the key-holding dog scene, um, it's referred to as George's door, but it's constantly open. They have to reclose it quite a bit. 
Uh, others have said that they have uh, felt tapping or tugging on their costumes and, of course, found nobody there or around them when they feel this. Some um, stories associated with uh, the story with Disneyland, but if you're looking at the facts, George was to have died in 1970, construction of the ride. That um, would have had to have been with uh, Walt Disney World because uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland uh, actually was already opened uh, in 1967 over there. Now, if you want to try to catch a glimpse of George Nixon go riding through there, it said he hangs out in, uh, by the bridge uh, by the pigs in that scene, and uh, you can sometimes see his head around them or his head and shoulders. Of course, in Disney World, like Disneyland, Haunted Mansion is also what... No, no, no. Excuse me. Don't you dare do that, sir. <laughs> Pardon me. Vincent is being a little pill today. And Chris can't move fast. <laughs> Naughty boy. Anyway. So Haunted Mansion in Disney World is also haunted with a couple of different stories. Um, now, you have the stories of cast members and guests actually having experiences throughout the ride. And a couple of the different ones that they have reported are little kids running around in the ballroom scene, disembodied child's laughter in the stretch room. I don't remember hearing that any time I've ever been in there, but... <laughs> Um, at least not disembodied. I hear the kids that are in there with me. <laughs> a limping female ghost that appears and disappears after closing. And it's hard to tell, of course, which ghosts might be real, which ones might be projections if you're not there all the time. So one of the most frequently encountered spirits, no. He is on a rampage oh. tonight. Don't laugh. Chris is not allowed to laugh, sorry. Um, one of the most frequently encountered spirits in the mansion is actually believed to be from a fatality that happened on the ride. Uh, Disney World annually hosts a special event for graduates, uh, high school graduates known as grad night. And although the seniors have a great time, sometimes a few of them get into trouble, like this one particular night. Uh, this group of seniors were traveling through the haunted mansion, and of course, they had a mechanical breakdown. Uh, as they sat in their doom buggy, one of the boys decided he was going to get out and take a closer look at the scenery. Apparently, he had a fascination with the seance room scene. Uh, the scene has, has, of course, many floating objects and the, ghost, the ghostly face in the crystal ball. And it's believed that this boy wanted to get close to the ball to see how it worked. But what he didn't realize is that the walkway leading to the seance room has a large gap between it and the doom buggy tracks. It's a 15-foot drop into a mechanical pit. Uh, the boy fell and broke his neck, killing him instantly. For years since then, the seance room has taken on a spectral feel that exceeds what it was originally intended for the attraction. There's nothing to confirm that this is uh, related to the unfortunately high unfortunate high school senior, but there does seem to be a presence that lingers over the space, adding weight to the atmosphere with various forms of unexplained activity. Long after closing, saint music can sometimes be heard echoing through the walls, in the mechanical pit, and around the general area. Also, this portion of the ride has a tendency to break down a lot. In fact, right after I wrote the script, it was reported on Inside the Magic that it had broken down yet again. Um, now, this, of course, leaves the writers stuck in their doom buggy, and they have to stare at the seance room in total darkness until the ride is manually repaired. The president is actually believed to be responsible for tapping on the shoulder of an unsuspecting guest from time to time, and many feel this ill-fated high school student is reaching out to those who pass by to get a little attention and be a little playful. There's a, one more attraction in the Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom that seems to have something going on, and this is, of course, the famous Splash Mountain. Setting aside the recent controversy about the theming of the ride, uh, there seems to be an unfortunate guest stuck there that just can't work out. Our experiences here are related to the original Song of the South theme. We don't have yet, uh, of course, the point of reference of the renewed experience where, you know, you've heard rumors it's going to be 
um, as seen from um, the frog prints, so we haven't seen exactly what it's going to look like yet, just possible drawings. So um, the place this takes place is known as drop three. It's the small drop, the really little one that was going into the laughing place of the story that someone found themselves in in the middle of a heart attack. So when their log stopped at the top of that little drop, they tried to climb out, but the log started moving again, and it made them fall and get crushed by their moving log. Since the incident, the high water sensors in that part of the ride will often trigger and malfunction without any discernible cause, leaving many to think that the deceased guests might be trying to still get the attention of anybody who's listening. Get the guess? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go back to our 80s, 90s movie fans, and we're going to talk about San Dimas, California. Yes, Bill and Ted, San Dimas, California. That's where we're going. Real place. Real place. Not fictional. Um, now, of course, Bill and Ted time traveled, and if you remember in the first uh, movie, they actually brought Napoleon back with them, and Napoleon decided to spend the day at a water park. They wanted to use this one, <laughs> but these people said no. This is Raging Waters in San Dimas, California. Uh, they would have had so much free publicity, and they did not take that opportunity. I'm just saying, here we go. So, Raging Waters is still around, and it's considered by some to be one of the best water theme parks in California. From thrilling slides to the lazy river to the kids' zone, there's something to please every member of the family, just not movie makers. This may be why some of the spirits decided to uh, linger around this splashy park for a little bit longer. An unfortunately truth in the water parks is that uh, it harbors more hazards than your typical theme park. Uh, an accident can happen at any moment, drowning, always a possibility. And in July of 1985, an eight-year-old girl visiting from Pomona drowned in the water coast. It was a beach-like attraction with high-powered fans that generate three-foot waves and a million-gallon pool every 12 minutes. Since then, the little girl has constantly made sure no one forgot about her. Many employees come across her in what is known as the dungeon. Uh, this is the freezer storage area located at the lower plaza of the food area. In the past, though, this area used to house the park's first aid center, and this is probably where that little girl was brought uh, before becoming one of the ghosts at Raging Robbers. Excuse me, I'm entertaining the kid cat. Now, um, will the employees say she's not malevolent? Uh, some children have claimed that the ghost has tried to drag them down to the bottom of the pool when the waves crash overhead. She's also been known to scare those working at the park at night. Security guards and other employees reported hearing prank phone calls ringing constantly uh, during until the day breaks. Uh, the line was usually static when they dared to pick up the phone. Some guards reported hearing the voice of a little girl urgently asking for help. And after tracking the source of the calls, they usually find themselves back at the Wave Cove attraction, knowing that they're not going to find any living person. Um, one occasion, they actually found the phone hanging and swinging as if somebody had recently dropped it. Since then, the nighttime employees try their best to ignore the ringing phone calls. The little girl's not the only one lingering about uh, raging waters. There's another ghost who enjoys scaring the night guards in the upper pavilion food course. While guards are checking the area, the entity has been known to call out their names. At times, it would make its footsteps heard, running up behind guards and frightening them. And while this entity is yet to reveal its own identity, it doesn't hesitate to make itself known. There are believed to be other entities in the park as well, possibly including one of a teenage boy who was beaten to death in the park in 1995 in a moment of rage and mistaken identity. Regardless of who the spirits are, it never hurts to treat them with respect, especially if they encounter a very cold spot in an otherwise hot, sunny California day. Okay. okay. So now we're going to come back um, from California back east a little bit to Ohio. And this is Coney Island of the West. For those of you who didn't know, yes, we have two Coney Islands. Uh, of course, you might be familiar with Coney Island in New York. This is the second Coney Island, and it is on the banks of the Ohio River in Cincinnati. 
usually overshadowed by its counterpart in New York, but it has quite a history on its own right, and the history comes with a ghost tale or two for good measure. Around 1,500 to 2,000 years ago, the land that stretched along the Ohio River was uh, home to mound-building Native Americans, mainly of the Hopewell culture. Many of the mounds remain visible today. In 1867, a farmer by the name of James Parker actually purchased 20 acres of the area and planted 400 tree apple orchards. Or as many people started to tra uh, travel the west direction, they found the orchard was a good place to stop and rest and have a picnic. Parker soon realized the value of the land lay more in its location than it did in its apples. And he took advantage of that. Uh, he actually built uh, picnicking shelters and added other structures like a dining hall, a dance hall, and a bowling alley. He even constructed the first merry-go-round there. As the apple trees died off, he would replace them with maple trees, and many of those trees actually still remain today. In 1886, Parker sold his farm to the Ohio Grove Corporation, and it was headed by two steamboat captains, and the amusement park actually opened on June 21st of 1886. It was called Ohio Grove at that point in time, uh, the Coney Island of the West. <coughs> Now, uh, it was an attempt to link the park in New York to this one. Uh, of course, at that point in time, uh, New York's Coney Island just became Coney Island. As river travel increased of its park, and Carnival Games rides were added until Coney Island became a full-fledged amusement park. Even after the travelers began to arrive more, uh, more and more by car and then the horse and buggy, as the olden days were, of course, it expanded again. It also changed hands several times. Other improvements were made, like building Lake Como and developing roller coasters on the property. In 1924, the park was actually purchased by Coney Island Incorporated, a group run by George Schock and his brother Edward. They loved the park and expanded it to over 120 acres in the years after their acquisition. They love to put, uh, the love they put into this park is, of course, reflected by what they loved in their everyday lives. Kids. A kiddie land was constructed to entertain the show's grandchildren, and it was probably the first uh, such area strictly devoted to small children that was ever created inside a amusement park. So we can thank them for kiddie lands that we have today. The Sunlit Pool, which remains the world's largest flat surface recirculating pool in existence, was constructed in 1925, and the Main Street and Open Air Dance Hall called Moonlight Gardens were also added. Short shots spent many of his remaining life, um, days, years, all that, in the park that he loved so much, and he ultimately passed away at the Moonlit Gardens during an event in 1935. George isn't the only one to have passed away at Coney Island over the years. A young boy died when he was thrown from the Scrambler and struck by another spinning car. A woman died on the merry-go-round when she experienced dizziness on the ride and attempted to exit, and then fell and hit her head. A group of young men decided to race from the edge of the sunlit pool to the center uh, island, and they, as they all dove in, one hit his head on a shallow bottom and drowned. In addition to these immediate passings, the proximity to the Ohio River has made um, the victims uh, from, you know, numerous floods, etc. They bring their own form of tragedy to Coney Island's landscape. But the land plane hosts the generations of life and death, seeing that indelible mark has been left and it fuels the number of hauntings that take place at Coney Island today. Native Americans are heard chanting in the areas around the map. Music from the merry-go-round is sometimes heard even when the ride is shut down. Flashing and screams are reported coming from the sunlit pools, and not just at night, but also it's drained after it's been drained for the season. But the most well-known story it may be about George himself. Many employees and visitors alike have reported watching um, the, the balcony area of the Moonlit Gardens and actually report being watched by somebody up there who's in period clothing. Uh, and sometimes he's accompanied by a woman in a matching era attire. When they are shown pictures of Schultz, uh, almost everybody identifies him as the witness, um, the, the person watching them from the balcony. So it seems that George has remained in the park he loved and made so popular. Except for only a couple of years in the early 1970s, after the opening of Kings Island in Mason, Ohio, Coney Island has operated almost continuously. And, of course, you can go to one of their most popular events, 
which is following, and it's every autumn. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They just not only news to us, but there was a Coney Island in Ohio. Ah, yes, yeah. I actually haven't been to Coney Island in New York. I need to go. Me either. Another one to add to our list. All right, so now we're going to pop over to Kings Island, the, the park I just mentioned. So um, the park is opened in April 29 of 1972. It was named for King Power, Powder Company, excuse me, which created the town of Kings Mill for its employees. The 700-acre property rests on land that was once owned by the company. What most visitors to the park don't realize is that tucked away among the roller coasters, the water rides, the midway games is actually an ancient cemetery. And by virtue of being uh, featured on the show, you'll be correct in assuming, yeah, it's haunted. So the small historic cemetery dates back to the 1840s and is known historically as the Dog Street Cemetery. It sits at the north end of Kings Island parking lot and turns off of Columbia Road. There's nearly 70 graves uh, grave sites in the cemetery, but only about 50 headstones that still stand today. Not all of the ghosts of the park are actually connected to the ancient boneyard. For years, rumors of accidental deaths inside the park were abounded. Rumors aside, there are several verifiable deaths within the park that can add to the ghostly reputation. In 1976, a 20-year-old lion in the country, Safari Ranger, was mauled to death by a lion after leaving the safety of his jeep and going to relieve himself. Note to self, do not do that while you're inside your ride. Anyway, um, this uh, Safari ride actually operated from 1974 to 1993, and it's now the site of the Son of Beast roller coaster and a storage area as well. In 1983, the park hosted a grad night for local high school students, and apparently an inebriated young man named John Harder was killed after climbing around the restricted areas of the Eiffel Tower, and he fell to his death down the elevator shaft. Now, the common, most common version claims that he was decapitated either by being hit by the counterweight of one of the elevators. We'll come back to that. In 1991, it was known as the park's history as a Black Sunday. Yeah, this wasn't a good day for the park. So that Sunday, a young man named Tim Brenning was with friends at Oktoberfest near the Viking attraction. It was a hot day that day, and he playfully dipped his hand into a fountain uh, to splash his friends. Sunday notes to him, there was actually a short in the electrical lighting, and he was badly shocked and fell into the water. His friend, William Eddie Hayscoat, went in to save him, but was also electrocuted. A nearby security guard was rushed to the fountain, jumped in to pull the men out, but was also instantly electrocuted. Both the security guard and Eddie died at the scene. Tim barely survived, uh, but remained crippled for life. A woman who was on the nearby flight commander ride witnessed the commotion while wriggling around in the open contact cockpit to get a better view, she came out of her harness and fell to death, uh, some 50 feet below. These tragic deaths have all been contributed to the ghostly sightings at the park, but the most well-known ghost at the park is actually the little girl in a blue dress. She has been seen by visitors and employees far more often than the others. Not much is known about the little ghost other than the fact that she seems to predate the park and is connected to the land. Witnesses account uh, describe her as a young girl about four feet tall, dressed in 19th century blue dress, and she aimlessly roams Kings Island parking lot, front gate, admissions, and international restaurant areas. Her ghost holds dominion over the entire park, and she's often seen by the security guards wandering around after dark. One of her favorite haunts is actually the water park, which is an ironic point that we'll touch on in a moment. Now, all the witness accounts are remarkably similar in nature. They describe her as a friendly thing, nothing scary, nothing threatening. She's just kind of there. Park employees have named the ghost Tram Girl after the many sightings of the tram drivers when they are departing at closing time. Reportedly, she will run onto the tram tracks, causing the drivers to stop suddenly before disappearing into thin air. Although unsubstantiated, there are several claims that this girl drowned in a lake on the property that she, and she was buried in the cemetery that is, of course, on the property. Queen City Paranormal Investigators called the girl Missouri Jane after a grave in the Kings Island Cemetery 
from Missouri Jane Glenninger, who died in 1846 at the age of five. Although seemingly friendly in nature, psychics claim that Missouri Jane is sad at seeing all the children in the park having fun without her. She wants a friend. Who doesn't? I get it. <laughs> now, Jane's not the only child goes to the park. Employees and guests have witnessed a little boy dubbed Racer Boy, who is reported to wander around the park near the Racer Roller Coaster. He is most often seen dressed entirely in white, and his presence startles guests who often alert their employees about a very realistic-looking child wandering alone too close to the wooden roller coaster. The story states that two of the four cars on the Racer Roller Coaster originally belonged to a ride at Coney Island called the Shooting Star. Legend claims that a long time ago, the body of a young boy was found dead on the tracks of the Shooting Star, killed by train cars. Apparently, the child had been seated alone at the back of the roller coaster, and when it pulled back into Coney Island's shed, he was gone. A search ended with his body being found in the valley of the track. Racer riders report seeing Racer Boy standing alongside the tracks and in the tunnels of the popular ride. Curiously, when the racer is one of the oldest rides in the park, and while the ride components are actually predating the park, the first recorded Racer Boy sightings uh, only date back to the 1990s. So he's definitely much newer than his parts on the cart. Me go sleeping on the side. <laughs> then there's Tower Johnny, the ghost of the aforementioned teenage boy who tragically fell from the rigging of the Eiffel Tower in 1983. It seems that Tower Johnny haunts the environs of his death. It can be easily easy to exaggerate the circumstances of his death as the details could have been ripped from the pages of a horror movie script. After foolishly climbing up the closed elevator shaft to show off for his friends, Tower Johnny lost his grip on the greasy metal ropes, falling down the shaft where he was sliced like lunch meat by the cables on his way down. Tower Johnny is one of the most well-known ghosts at King, King's Island, and most of all, um, the most odd, might say mischievous occurrences are to be blamed on him. Some claim to see him looking back at them from the tower or hanging out in front of the fountain, in front of the tower. He's made the elevator doors open and close. Sometimes one of the cars on the ride moved up and down the track on its own. The sightings began shortly after his actual death at the park. Tower John is also blamed for the electrical malfunctions of the park. Oh, heard of. And in fact, to this day, any trip sensors with no apparent cause are called Johnny's by the King's Island employees. Other spirits can be found in the park uh, include a ghost that's attached to the Whitewater Canyon Rafting Ride. Soundless employees have heard disembodied sounds of a child's giggle accompanied by the pelting of rocks against their observational towers after the last visitors have exited the ride. Employees called the poltergeist Woody, and the majority of experiences revolve around observational tower number two, which is deep in the woods and only accessible by a small footpath. Another ghost haunts uh, the Beast roller coaster. Riders claim to see glowing red eyes in the woods located near the ride. It's often said to be a spirit of a visitor who died while riding the roller coaster. Now, not all the ghosts at Kings Island may be related to the theme park that dominates the landscape today. Some may linger from an event that actually took place 125 years ago on the site. Uh, in 1890, King's Power com uh, Company and Ammunition Plants was actually located on this site. And the plant uh, actually exploded. 100 employees were killed or injured, and while the remains of the plant stand abandoned today, the residents say they can hear footsteps following them and see swinging elevator cables while exploring the uh, abandoned building. All good? Okay. Uh, Bush Garden. Now, if you're in Virginia, if you're in Richmond, you think Bush Gardens, we're going to just go down the street for a little bit, uh, about 45 minutes to an hour down the road, and we're going to go to Bush Gardens and have a grand old time. However, we're not talking about Bush Gardens, Virginia. We're talking about Bush Gardens, Tampa. So uh, there are, of course, very similarities between the park, but there are very stark differences. Bush Gardens here in Williamsburg, Virginia, is a European theme, while Bush Gardens down in Tampa is an African theme. Uh, both have Halloween every single uh, Halloween season, but you might get a little extra with something down in Tampa, just so you know when you're ready to go when you buy that admission ticket. 
Now, the mix of paranormal activity at Bush Gardens Tampa, first of all, first uh, one that is often seen is at the Serengeti Overlook Pub and Restaurant. Uh, of course, this started right after they did their renovations in 1990. Customers and staff see an apparition of a man who plays the piano. Kent Roy, who worked at the restaurant for years, said he once saw an entity uh, when he was watching TV in the brewmaster's room during hurricane season. Soon, as if somebody was watching him, he turned to his left and saw a female in a white nightgown. He recalled, by the time I blinked, she was gone. There was also a spirit of a young girl that has uh, been nicknamed Wendy. No one seems to know why the girl lingers around the restaurant. Uh, she's not shy about making her parents known, though. Other anomalies um, include flashing lights, cold spots, the elevator inexplicably stalling between floors, uh, phantom sounds of trays and glassware, disembodied children's voices convince many of the uh, visitors that this building is haunted. The aroma of cigar smoke, shadow people, orbs and photos, and other paranormal experiences by the visitors and staff. Uh, now, if the stories are true, staying in the Serengeti Overlook Pub and Restaurant after closing might be scarier than some of these roller coasters. I would love to get in there with a team. Ting, can you get us there, maybe? <laughs> uh, other areas of the park with a heart-stopping uh, apparition of a young man appears near the train. And what makes this ghost so frightening uh, in his appearance? Well, his mouth is sewn shut and his eyes are missing. Zombie. Just saying. That's creepy. Zombie. So, if you're there for Hollow Scream, he might not be an actor, just that we can know. <laughs> we didn't, didn't find anything for Bush Gardens Williamsburg, did we? Uh, well, the stories we do have are actually are the land that the Bushes own where their house is. Okay. That's where the stories are. Yeah. Alex said, but I've got my hopes up for Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Yeah, we did, um, was it last year or the year before for um, Scares when we did a Williamsburg episode? It was in that one. Huh. We've done so many, I'll have to go back and look it up. Yeah. But it was one we did right around Scares the Care because um, we did a Williamsburg episode for that. Okay. I have to go back and check that out. Yeah. But as I said, that's, um, that's on the land that the Bushes owned and have their house on. They still own that land, didn't they? And it, it, you run near it every time, I think, with a 5K. Might be, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's back behind the, the King's Mill Resort. Okay. Yeah, so you run by it. Cool. <laughs> I have to go back and dig that up. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to a pretty small park. Um, have you ever been to Sylvan Beach? No. Nope. Okay. So we're going to go to Sylvan Beach Amusement Park in New York. And this is a picturesque vintage beach amusement park at uh, the east end of Oneida Lake. Uh, it has a storied history uh, dating back to the uh, 1870s. Modern visitors and employees report familiarity with several ghosts who hang out in the park. There is Abby, a little girl who has made herself right at home amongst the rides of the park. A mysterious lady in white. Oh, we lady in white. Um, there's Scott, a former employee. Jack, a man who loves staying at the Royal Hotel. And Bill, a former owner who loved the arcade as a child and spent much of the time monitoring the place as an adult. Now, the hauntings actually have been so frequent at this park that the park offers ghost tours. That's right. You can go do a ghost tour here. We need to do this. Uh, it's called Park After Dark, and it's offered by the Casper Cops. According to the ghost show, hunters, spirits are benevolent uh, that are haunting the grounds because of the love for the park itself. And some of the following experiences were noted by one of the ghost tour guides at the end of the season tours. During tours on July 25th, August 1st, August 9th, <laughs> And August 29th, participants witnessed coins and pieces of wood fly through the air or heard coins hitting the floor. On the top of the coin noises, 
During the August 9th tour, a dark colored object fell from an air hockey table in the arcade. It appeared to be a container full of coins, but when it hit the floor, not only the sound of one coin was heard. When the investigation, when it was investigated, nothing was found, not one coin, let alone a whole container of coins. The next day, in some conversations with the park's long-term staff members, they explained that years ago, the former owner, Bill, used to collect the coins from the machines with a canvas bag. It had a metal coil to provide support and to hold the bag in an open position. One of them retrieved a similar bag from storage, and it was exactly what had been seen falling out of the air of the hockey table the night before. So if you want to ex uh, experience the theme park, go to tour and investigation for yourself. Sylvan Beach is actually getting ready to open up for their 2022 uh, season, and the ghost tours are planned to be on the schedule again. So check out their schedule. Yeah, thanks. It wasn't on the schedule yet, but I did look at their website, and it said that they are in the works, in the plan. So that was a Saturday. That was a Saturday. So keep an eye on the schedule. And um, if you go, please let us know. We want to know. We want to hear the details. Every itty bitty spooky detail. <laughs> All of it. All right. Um, so somebody asked about this last time. Are we doing Lake Chinese? So here it is. West Virginia, the most notable, notorious, abandoned haunted amusement park out there. If you search abandoned amusement parks, there's always like the first picture that shows up of the Ferris wheel and the very creepy wooden spring. Swing. And it's a swing. Oh, you said springs. No, swings. Swing. Sorry. We swing. Not right now. No. That would hurt right now. No. G-Force is not your friend right now. No. <laughs> All right. So um, the park history dates back to the 1700s when Michael, or sorry, Mitchell Clay moved to the land and he settled his young family. Clay? Oh, sorry, folks. I'm still recovering from not living much this weekend. That's my fault. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> All right, so um, Clay with his, fam uh, his wife and 14 children, God bless that woman, settled on the land uh, that houses the abandoned amusement park and set up an 800-acre farm. The local Native American tribes in the area were allegedly unhappy with the Clay family moving in, and tragedy struck the family in 1783. While Mitchell was off enjoying a hunt, a band of Native Americans came onto the property and killed his youngest son, Bartley Clay, during the struggle, and Clay's daughter, Tabitha, was also killed. The group then kidnapped his eldest son, Ezekiel, and burned him at the stake later. Upon Clay's return, he buried his children before promptly rounding up the boys in the area and setting out for revenge. With the help of Clay's troops, he managed to murder several of the men who had killed his children, and while vengeance had been enacted, a legend has it that the property was never the same again. So the 1920s, former Clay Homestead attracted the eye of a local area businessman, Connie, uh, Conley T. Sindo. Now, he decided that developing the land into a amusement park would be an opportunity he just couldn't pass up. So he installed the circular swing set and the Ferris wheel on his park. He then built a dance hall, set up a pool and water slide, and set up canoes on one of the ponds. With that, Lake Shawnee Amusement Park was born. In the years that followed, the details are somewhat scarce on exactly what happened or didn't happen in the park. It wasn't long afterward that mishaps started to happen. It is said that the park was responsible for six deaths, and there's only a few detailed information about a couple of these Incidences. One accident, a little girl in a pink dress was killed while riding the circular swing. The swings were circling around when a truck backed into its path, and of course, you can guess where that went. The second known death was a little boy, uh, and according to one of the land, land keepers, the boy's parents had dropped him off at the park to swim. No one that was swimming that day knew him, so he essentially was swimming by himself. He ended up getting his legs stuck in the water, return pipe, and drowned. Now, what makes the story worse is that apparently nobody noticed him in the pond for three days. There's another version of the event that is the most tragic, still negligent, um, 
but it actually states that his mother left her son at the park in the morning, planned to return later on to pick him up. However, when she returned, he was nowhere to be found. After searching the grounds, he was found floating in the swimming pool ground. I think that one's slightly more believable. Yeah. I mean, seriously, three days? Is a bit much. Yeah. Anyway. In 1966, Lake Shawnee Amusement Park was finally closed down. Despite the numerous fatalities, they may not have been the main driver behind the shattering of the park's gates. This is an era of hardship for many of the coal miners in the area. Uh, plenty of them moved away, and if they stayed on, uh, any disposable income that was used to go to an amusement park just simply wasn't there, so they couldn't go. In all cases, the equipment basically was uh, shut down. It was left abandoned, left to rot. And it's overgrown these days. You see it, and it's nature reclaiming what was there. Now, the park was briefly reopened in 1985 when Gaylord White bought the land. He hoped to restore the park to its former glory, but it was short-lived and lasting only three years. It said part of the reason why the park closed the second time was because of the paranormal experiences. Now, what's left of Lake Shawnee Amusement Park is terribly eerie, even without adding any any ghost stories. As I said, check out the pictures. It is freaky to look at. Uh, the structures still stand. They're over on the plant life. They're rusted. They're making noises in the wind, and it looks creepy as I'll get out. Now, when you're in the park at night, you can actually, or even during the day, find that there's a headstone that was placed on the property in 1937. Uh, we believe it's recognition of the clay children that were murdered by the Native American group. In fact, it's believed Tabitha and Bartley are still buried on the property. Sometime in the 1990s, Indian burial grounds on the property were unearthed. The owners at the time were digging a mud bog, which was essentially an obstacle course uh, for ATVs and other off-road vehicles, and when they came across artifacts that included arrows and bows. They called it the local university, and a professor from Marshall University came out and unearthed several full Native American skeletons. They suspected there might be as many as 3,000 people buried on the property. Just saying. Oops. Not cool. No. Uh, it wasn't really intentional. No, it wasn't intentional, but it's still not cool. Um, the site today is actually frequented by paranormal investigators. You can set up an investigation with them. Um, of course, make sure you're getting permission before you go on the property, set it up properly with them. But some of the experiences that have happened during these investigations. Uh, in the days before Photoshop, a photo was captured that seemed to show an apparition in the reflection off of the ticket booth. While there are certainly ways to tamper with photos before there was computer software, the photo's still chilling all the same. A previous owner said uh, was said to have been cutting down the lawn with a tractor sometime in the late 80s, and he kept seeing a little girl. One time, he turned around to find her immediately behind his shoulder on the tractor. She allegedly told him to stop the tractor, so he did. The tractor hasn't been moved since. Apparently, when they went out to move the tractor, they noticed it was leaking fuel out of the line, which is why they suspected she told him to stop <laughs> well, filming ABC's Scariest Places on Earth in 2005, apparently the crew uh, and a psychic refused to go on the ground at night because the spiritual energy was too strong. The group also said that they heard drums and chanting of the natives who once roamed this area years ago. And in 2013, the owner said he often hears wooden swings creak and they will sometimes start to move uh, underneath your hand until you feel a cold air blowing through the seat. When you get to the middle, you feel something more. It's believed to be the spirit of the little girl who died on that ride decades ago. The inner son said he's even seen the little girl with her dress covered in blood. So if you're interested in visiting the park uh, yourself, they do have daytime tours available as well as the overnight experiences. All visits are by appointment only, and they host a seasonal dark carnival for those who are looking for some creepy fun. Yeah, um, Facebook, it's just simply Lake Shawnee. Yeah. If you go look Lake Shawnee, that's the Facebook page for the park. Okay, so Lake Shawnee is the Facebook page for the park. All right, uh, one last stop for the evening. Um, this is Jay's Amusement Park in Gurnonville, California. Uh, now, 
Several decades ago, Jay's Amusement Park uh, was the perfect blend of heavy machinery, board employees, and overzealous thrill-seekers that came together in a horrifying fashion. A couple of park guests got a little wild and crazy on the scrambler ride and decided to lie down on a seat and do a little scrambling of their own. From which park? Naughty, naughty, naughty. <laughs> um, needless to say, at the height of passion, a woman stretched out her head and hung it over the side of the car just at the moment when the track gets you pretty close to a nearby girder. Yeah, you can imagine what happened next. At least it was fast. The poor girl's head went flying off the ride into the crowd below. The rest of her stayed behind, locked in a macabre embrace with her extremely shocked boyfriend. Confusion. Scream. Panic. Emergency shutdown of the entire park. Chaos ensued. Lots of chaos, wailing of ambulances, and traumatized children. My God, I can't even imagine this. I love my child. I can't read my screen. There we go. Okay, are we settled? Kind of, maybe? No? Okay. There we go. So, um, the park is shut down for the rest of the day, obviously. Uh, but the show goes on. So they open back up the next day, and the children and the thrill-seeking couples all stream onto the grounds once more. The boyfriend, Slunkoff, hasn't been heard from again. One wonders if he was actually even able to stay in town. Um, he might have picked up and left, started over another town, and never, ever spoke of his past. I wouldn't blame him. It was the middle of the 1980s, and today, even after all these years, the ghost of the woman has been seen frantically dashing through the area where the park stood. Her clothes are a mess, and her head, well, is absent. Is this a, a spirit still conscious of being, um, is she still conscious of being, or is she unaware of her passing? I mean, it was rather sudden. Um, maybe she's just choking to find that missing part of her body. Who knows? Um, she could just be an echo randomly traversing the grounds where her mortal person perished. Jays shuttered their gates years ago, but she doesn't seem to know that. The best chance of seeing her is actually on a rainy day when the park wouldn't have been so full of people, or in the early morning before the park would have opened. Today, the ground where Jays uh, stood has been cleared of the relics of its theme park past, and instead is a place where you can go glamping. Yes, it's a glamping resort now. And uh, it just recently opened its doors. So the uh, time will tell if the unfortunate spirit is going to roam these new digs uh, to see if she's attached to the land or if she was cleared out with the rusting rides that has since been dropped off into obscurity. But we'll see. Yep, time will tell because that's very, very recent past. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if she's still running around the glamping camp campground. Do they have RV hookups? Should we call my sister? I honestly don't know. I should look <laughs> it up. Apparently, glamping campgrounds are yeah. well. No, that they're all the rage in that area. Oh, of course. Because it's uh, Sonoma Valley area. There's like I guess dozens of these glamping resorts. So. Camping, wine. Anybody else want to go? <laughs> yeah. So go check out Raging Rivers while we're in California as well. Yeah, yeah, that's San Go go check out yeah, San Dimas or uh um uh well, oh uh, Waterloo. Waterloo, which is the one that was actually featured in the movie. Yeah, the the fictional one that they made up for <laughs> when uh, Raging Waters refused to be featured in Bill and Ted, which I still don't understand. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, so yeah. that that's the last story for the evening tonight. It was a little short. I did check. Uh, it's Twenty past nine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, what was one I was looking at, but I didn't find anything up in Pittsburgh. Oh, um, I'm blanking. Alex, you sent me out. What? No, it wasn't it? even Alex. That was Roberta. Oh, Roberta sent me out for this one. And uh, not Mossberry. No. Um, no, but it was up in that direction. Anyway. Um, honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yeah, I did actually. I did search for this one, Roberta. Um, why it keeps coming up is because it's 
known for its dark rides, and these are the rides that take you partially inside a building, so it's dark inside. Haunted Mansion is a dark ride. Um, and so that's what pops up. It, it used to have, like, a record of dark rides for amusement parks. Um, trying to think. I do have another list started. We'll see what I can find on them. This, this was the section of the list that was getting a little harder to dig in and to find things. Um, but our next uh, show is Michigan. Michigan. Haunted Michigan. So, because, um, again, Summer is coming, and Michigan is a popular place to go up to the lakes up there, and so we're going to check out some things up in Michigan. Uh, then we have um, Haunted Vancouver and Haunted Alaska after oh, that. Yep, I have to get those ones scheduled. Um, but, um, but that's our next three series. Yep, and uh, quick reminder from the mailing list. Ah, yes, if you haven't joined our mailing list, uh, go to our website, and at the very top it says join mailing list. Click on that. Newsletter. There's, newsletter. there's a proper newsletter, and you can go there to sign up. So, um, but yeah, check that out, and uh, we will be um, having fun. And of course, Key West, Haunted Key West, um, if you're interested in coming out on that, uh, you have until July to uh, put in your deposit to book the room and. Uh, put the block over and get. Yeah, the locker rooms get released at the end of July, so we need to have everybody reserved by then. Um, and speaking of July, uh, Scares of Care. Yep, Scares of Care, the right at the end of July. Uh, so we will be having, uh, of course, our table there as sponsor. Chris will be hopefully running in the 5K. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, I better be moving around. I'm pretty good by then. I'll be at the table dancing in the meantime. Uh, yeah, so we'll be there and having a lot of fun that weekend. Again, last uh, very end of July going into August. So I hope you all had a good time, and we will see you in two weeks with Haunted Michigan. Oh, uh, just to let you know, uh, while we're doing Vancouver and Alaska, they are going to be back-to-back weeks since Chris and I will be going on vacation, so we had to move one of our weeks um, up. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know that, and again, Chris will post the dates and the Facebook events soon. Mm -hmm. So, with that, Vincent, are you going to let me move so I can say goodbye to everybody? All right, Kate. Not willingly. Good night. Say night, night, buddy. All right, y'all. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.